you want to turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. Praying over the summer about our chapel services, I tried to plan as many out as I could, even trying to even uh, pray about what specifically I would speak on at uh, different times during the year. And the Lord seemed to give me some specific direction, specific times. There's some that steer a little open in my spirit. Don't exactly know what I'll preach, do just yet, or who will preach. Um, but this was one of those services that just I felt directed to do this. This is a message I've preached probably four or five times since I've been a part of the Urshan and Gateway community. And just felt in the summer this was the date to preach this message so some of you have heard it but I'm praying for uh, a witness of the spirit here today because I believe it's something we need to consider once again um, here today I am very troubled in my spirit uh, because of the, the world we live in I was, I've said it a couple times, Brother Scott, over the last few days, different people. There, there, there are things going on in our world right now that when I was a child, a young person, I would hear preachers say, this, this is coming. This is, this is going to happen. These, these things are going to take place, and our world's going to progress. It's gonna, these things are going to begin to be accepted, and these things are going to and And I thought, ah, never in my lifetime. I just can't see that happen, even... In the 80s, when I was a kid, the 1980s, um, when I was a kid, the, I just didn't think it could happen. And now it's not only happening, it's being promoted in churches. Even so-called Christians, believers in Jesus, are saying, this is okay, and this is to be accepted and this is to be promoted and this is we need to tell our kids this and show our kids this is options and this is okay and God's for it because God's for everybody and I I'm so stirred in my spirit because I never thought I would see it first and foremost and to think that as every day passes we are more and more strangers and foreigners and pilgrims in this world. We don't belong here. Thank you, Griffin, for um, sharing that today. And Sister Kiesia last night talking about heaven being our goal. This, this world is not our home. Sadly, though, too many, too many people want to put down deep deep stakes in this world and try to claim it their home and try to fit in try to make it their home and this is not our home I want to talk to you just for a little bit Ezekiel 36 I'm going to throw you for a loop a little bit I'm reading from the NIV today I know I'm going to repent afterwards Ezekiel 36 verse 22 therefore say to the Israelites this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It's not for your sake 
people of Israel that I'm going to do these things. But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you've profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I'm going to take you out of the nations. I'm going to gather you from all countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. Remove the heart Remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you'll live in the land I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people. I will be your God. In the first eight words of verse 29, I will save you from all your uncleanness. What a promise. And then I want to read one verse. You don't have to turn there. You can probably quote it with me. David wrote Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. And I want to preach to you for a few minutes. I want to be I want us to pray a specific prayer here today. I want us to pray that God would change our thinking, change our hearts, change our personal desires, our longings, our wants. I want Him to change those things so they are things that He wants. Would you pray that with me? Would you ask the Lord to help us with these next few minutes, Lord Jesus? We want to be clean. I pray, God, that in these next few minutes that there would be a sovereign work of the Holy Ghost, that you would change our minds and change our thoughts and change our hearts and our desires and the ambitions that we have and the thing. change what we love change what we like change what we want God I pray move within us here today reach someone I pray God with the power of your spirit let the blood of Jesus sweep over our souls here today make us clean and pure creating us a clean heart of God to renew a right spirit within us Jesus' name. Praise God. You could be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing with me. I find this passage in Ezekiel, and I'm not going to go into real deep detail. I'm going to kind of just launch from here quickly, doing what I teach those come to preaching class, do uh, a cardinal sin. I not going to spend a whole lot of time on my text. I'm just launching from it. So you can't do that when you preach in my class, but I can do that here today just briefly. Um, 
But I find this passage, Ezekiel 36, I find it, although very promising and hope-filled, I find it very, very disheartening because God begins to tell the Israelites and really rebuke them and tell them, there's something I've been wanting to do, and I'm going to do it, and I, I, I promised I would do it, but I'm not doing it for your sake. I'm not doing it because you've been good enough or because, because you haven't been. You've, you've profaned my name. You've, you, you've taken what is holy, and you've made it unholy. You've taken uh, the pure gifts I've given you, and you've, you've, you've dirtied them. You've soiled them. You've, you, you've made them unclean. And, but, but, I, but I'm going to do what I promised to do, not be, for your sake, but because of my sake, because of my holy name, the name you profane. And I begin to think how you know, our witness is so very important in this world. What we do, how we live, the things we say, the actions we take. Because people are watching what we do. He said, I am going to do these. But then he kind of gives us this hope that, that, that if you will turn your heart back to me, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through you. I, I would like to show people who I am through you. And he says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. I'm going to make you clean. There's nothing like after working a long day outside in the summer. I know some of you from the deep south, uh, it can get hot and humid. And even here in St. Louis, there's a stretch of time where just the humidity is unbearable. It's just... It's miserable. You get all cleaned up, put your cologne on. I mean, you're, you're dressed nice. You step outside, and three seconds later, you are drenched. You don't want to lift your arms because even though you put, you know, an inch cake worth of deodorant under your armpit, it's like it's just drenched. It's horrible. It, it, there's not, but there's nothing like after working outside, you're working in the yard, you've been sweating, you smell, nobody wants to be around you. There's nothing like coming inside and getting all cleaned up and washed and you feel rested and you feel clean and there, there's nothing like that feeling I, I love that feeling of, of after I've gotten all dirty and messed up and and all sweaty to, to kind of take time for my body to settle down then get washed up take a shower get cleaned up put on clean clothes and just there's nothing like feeling clean I mean, we can be around, well, some of you work around some people who have very filthy mouths and um, the jokes you hear at work. And you, I, I've, been, I've been around people. I've been in situations where they just the, the things they talk about and the things they discuss and, and, and you leave their presence after a little while and you walk away, you just feel dirty. You just feel, you just feel like you're covered in filth. There's nothing like after doing that, maybe working, some of you who, um, you'll, you go to class in the morning and then you'll work all day long and get off and come back here for Vespers on Wednesday night. And There's nothing like after being around all of that filth, coming into a place like this and feel the presence of God and it's almost like His Spirit rushes over us and there's a, you begin to feel clean again as His Spirit washes us, His Word washes us. There was a very profound moment I had when I was a young person, and I was in Bible quizzing, senior quizzing, and it was the year, I believe it was probably 1990. Uh, I know that sounds so far away for some of you, but um, we were studying the book of John, and 
and after a full day, those of you in Bible quiz, after a full day of just quoting scriptures and, 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 and speaking the word, and I know there's, there was, throughout the day, there's, there's a lot of pressure, and you feel, you feel like uh, you're, you're nervous, and because you want to win, you don't want to lose, and, but it, we had a rally service that night, and it just hit me, it just overwhelmed me, how clean I felt sitting in that service. And then a verse that I had memorized that year came to mind, John 15, 3, where Jesus told his disciples, said, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. There's nothing like being clean. I don't know many people that like being dirty. I don't know many people that like walking around in clothes that are completely drenched with sweat. You know, your hair's all messed up. You got grease all over your face. You, you, you smell horrible. Nobody, I don't know anybody, many people that like that. I think most people like being clean. I throw all that out there to introduce this idea here today but, and to kind of ask you this question how do we become unclean? Because when we are born again, washed in the, washed in the Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit, God makes us clean, makes us whole, puts us back together, sets us on a right path, and we become clean. God cleans us, makes us pure. We become, we're on the path to holiness, becoming like Jesus Christ. But how do we then become unclean? I think it all starts with some very small decisions that seem inconsequential. Kind of like Genesis 13, the story of Lot. Verse 10, where he lifted up his eyes and he beheld all the plain of Jordan. Abraham and he were about to part ways. And Abraham said, you get to choose which direction you would like to go. And Lot's path to uncleanness and his family's path to being lost all starts with this one seemingly inconsequential decision. Where Lot looked and chose what looked best over what might have been best. He looked and saw all the plain of Jordan that was well watered before the Lord. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot chose all the plain of Jordan and he journeyed east. And he and Abraham separated themselves from one another. Abraham dwelled in Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And the verse 12 says he set up his tent facing Sodom. That doesn't seem like a bad decision. We know the rest of the story. We know it seems like a bad decision. But in that moment, it didn't seem like it's just turning towards a particular city. It's just setting up my tent and facing my family towards a different, a certain direction. I'm not going there. I'm not going to live there. I'm just going to face there. I'm not going to take up the practices that they do. I'm just going to set my family and let us watch it for two and a half hours. I'm not going to put my family in the middle of that. We're just going to stand off to the side and be entertained by it. He set up his tent toward Sodom. But then there's this warning that kind of gives us a little bit of hint of this decision might not be the best. Verse 13 says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. 
The story that begins with Lot setting up his tent facing Sodom, he ended up going the direction he was facing, which is what usually happens. We can think it's not going to bother us. We can entertain ourselves with it. We can, we can look at it. We can listen to it. We can talk about it. We can joke about it. We can read about it. We can, we can get together and discuss it and, and put our mind on it. But we always end up going in the direction that we're facing. And his decision affected more than just him. Jude tells us a little about Sodom. Verse 5, I'll put before you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept that not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness under the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. There has been a strong spirit unleashed in our world over the past several decades that I'm aware of. And it has only grown more and more intense. It has deluded the minds of both saved and lost to see certain acts as permissible or at least not as harshly judged by God as His Word says it is. And this strong spirit that has been unleashed in our world is a spirit of sexual perversion. I know this is a topic that many choose to ignore. Maybe you don't want me to preach about it today. We want to pretend it doesn't happen, especially to apostolics. Or maybe we say it does happen, but we've just begun because it happens so much now, we just start labeling things as that's okay and that's okay. Didn't used to be, but it is now because so many more people are doing it. Some of these things really are just a part of growing up. We've got to sow our wild oats. Got to make make way for that, you know. You, you just gotta you gotta have your time where you just kind of mess up. Okay, we learn from our mistakes. We just I know we probably shouldn't do it, but it's okay. It's just guys being guys, just girls being girls, just nineteen somethings being nineteen year olds. Just part of being human. Sounds like what the world tells us. And yet many in the church have adopted that mindset. That's a worldly mindset. That it's just humans being humans. It's just sexual beings being sexual beings. It's okay. It's okay to experiment. It's all right to do that because it's just human beings being human beings. We have to be careful. What mindset we allow ourselves to adopt. We can't ignore some of these things. We can't sweep them under the rug and pretend they don't affect us and don't, and don't impact us. We've got to deal with it in the right way, the godly way, the biblical way. Whether it's pornography. Whether it's just sexual experimentation. Whether it's same sex or opposite sex. 
Whether it's sending images you shouldn't be sending. Having conversations you shouldn't be having. Some of you are way too free with the conversations you have. And the subjects you discuss with one another and of the opposite sex. It's, oh, but I'm not doing it. It's just we could freely talk about it. What direction are you pointed? These things have no place in the life of a child of God. I don't care what denomination starts accepting it. I don't care what church starts saying it's okay to live immoral, immorally and, and sexually uh, perverted lives. It's not okay. And I don't, please, I don't speak this out of judgment here today because because I understand that there are, there are temptations, there are struggles that, that, that people have. But we have to be very careful that we don't get to the place where our minds are so deceived that we begin to make excuses for what God handles very, he looks at very strongly. So many have been deceived, even in the church, thinking God somehow is not bothered so much by it anymore. I know this might make some of you uncomfortable. I'm not going to get a lot of amens, no standing on your feet, clapping. I don't want that here today. But first of all, understand this. If you do play with fire, you will get burned. If you play around with sin, you will likely get stared. And additionally, sin and things that are an abomination to God are not things to even joke about or play around with. It's so convicting when you read the end of Romans chapter 1 and you see the, the, the judgment that's being handed down and you see this, this, this warning from the Apostle Paul that it's not even so much men doing things with men or women doing things with women that we know and understand that that's wrong. But Paul ends that first chapter by saying it's not only that, it's also those who like to take pleasure in watching them do it. Thank you, Sister Kiasia, for last night for encouraging. There are some people who need to get off social media because that is your trigger. That's what messes you up. You don't have to, you don't, life does not have to have social media. I'm not preaching and saying everybody's got to get off social media. I'm not drawing lines here today and saying you got to do that. But there, it's become, it's become too easy to accept certain things into our lives, to be entertained by them. There's a strong delusion. A spirit of perversion that's trying to destroy and derail this generation. And it's not just you all. There are men and women older than you that have fallen. But the spirit of this age is even more intense than what's come before it. Just in four, almost 49 years of my life, I have watched, Brother Colfart, the intensity of this ramp up to where it used to be our culture just had their tent pitched towards Sodom. Culture even said certain things were wrong. Culture just set up its tent and, and set it in a direction. But even your run-of-the-mill individual who's not even in church would have said, no, we'd never do that. Never go there. 
you always end up going in the direction you're going. I want to talk plainly. I want to admonish you, but I'm also going to offer some help. Because this war that's been launched against the people of God, against the church, must be won. We cannot back down. We cannot live a defeated foe. We, 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 I, 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 am, I'm, I, I refuse to let those of you who sit in this room who are addicted to things that you are so ashamed of. I refuse to just leave you alone and let you sit there and wallow in it when you have been destined to be free and to be victorious and to be able to live for Jesus Christ with your shoulders back and with your head up and free of guilt and free of condemnation and able to overcome whatever comes your way. I refuse to let you sit there in your prison and be bound for the rest of your life. You can be free. You can be delivered. You don't have to live with the mindset of this culture. God has called you out. You are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a holy nation. God's called you out. We must we must not become silent. We must not back down. We, we must not just take it and say, well, it's just the way the world is. No! God has destined us for greater things. We've got to stand up and be counted. We've got to be free. I want to be clean. I don't want to put things in my life that, that cause me to be filthy and cause me to be dirty and soil my white garment that the Holy Ghost. I don't want to soil my wedding garment. I, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. I, I want to be clean and I want to be pure. Leviticus 18, verse 24, Defile not yourselves in all of these things. All of these things. There was a list of verses before this listing all these sexual sins. He says, defile not yourselves in all those things. For in all these things the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. All these that... These nations that did these things, I, I end up destroying them. I end up casting them out of their land. I, I, end up, I end up making them be wanderers and vagabonds. And the land's defiled, verse 25. Therefore, I don't visit the iniquity thereof upon it. The land itself vomits out its inhabitants. Our land's defiled. And I'm not just talking about the United States. The Bible's bigger than the United States. Our world. Verse 26, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation or any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. And that land, verse 28, spew not you out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before it. It appears there's a connection between sexual sins and perversion and the land becoming defiled. When the people of the land give themselves over to sexual perversion, God sees that land as becoming corrupt and defiled. I will talk just about North America, the U.S. and specifically just for a moment. But I do believe that's why America has been blessed. From its founding, I know a lot of 
Secular historians will try to discount this, but it's, it's, it's true. The people that came over here were looking for religious freedom. They came here to seek after God, to be able to serve God outside the, the, the demand of the king. Of being, they, they, it, was, it, was for, it was for spiritual growth and for spiritual opportunity. And I believe being founded upon that, it might not have been founded upon pure, undefiled truth. I, I don't know. But, but I believe God honored the land. But in just 250 to 300 short years, the land's become defiled. And doesn't it feel like as believers we're being spewed out? Doesn't it feel like as Christians we're being kicked out of our culture? God's been taken out of schools. His commandments been taken out of courthouses. Nativity scenes are being removed from public places. It feels like we're being kicked out of our land. In fact, believers all over the world are being kicked out. Because what we hold to, the truths we stand upon, the word of God we stand upon, it, it, it's not, it, it, see, it seems so, it's treated as such foreign and such, it's treated as being wrong in our culture. Maybe that's why we struggle to gain ground. Seems like we're not gaining, we're losing. But we have the power, we have the ability to make the land clean by us ourselves becoming clean. Created me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. I want to be washed. I want to be holy. I want to be right with God. I want to be righteous. I want to be godly. I want to be pure. I know I won't always make all the right decisions. I am a human. I will make mistakes. But I'm not making excuses for my mistakes. If I mess up, I've got to get clean. I've got to get right with God. I can't just say, okay, since I messed up, I don't want to deal with it. So I'll just say it's okay. I think people do that too often. It's a lot easier to change your beliefs than it is to change your behavior. Keep doing something over and over again. It's like, oh, I might as well just accept that it's okay. Instead of saying, no, it's not okay. I've got to change. I've got to get right with God. This is not the time to start changing beliefs. We've got to hold to what's true and what's right and what's pure and what's godly. In the garden when God told Adam and Eve, just you can have of every tree of the garden just except this one right here. God was not being mean to them. God was being kind to them. God was being good to them. God was showing them, if you will enjoy everything that I've given you that is right to enjoy, but you will surrender to me and trust me that I love you and that I want to care for you. And if you will give me that one tree and you'll just avoid it, you will find out how wonderful I am and how good I am and how much I love you. He's not trying to hold back any good thing from you. He just wants you to find in your surrender and in your submission and in your willingness to give him control of your life, find out how much he loves you and cares for you. I want to be clean. I want to be clean. 2 Corinthians 10, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You can be free. You can be clean. You can be made pure and whole again. But you've got to distance yourself from the junk. Amen, Brother McClintock. You've got to distance yourself from the junk. We have so much stuff in our lives that we have just, we, we accumulate so much junk. We accumulate so much stuff that we think our lives, we have to have that. We have to have. How many streaming subscriptions do you need? How much of that do we need? We've got Disney Plus, we've got Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, we've got Hulu. We, how, and again, I'm not preaching that you've got to get rid of all those. I'm just praying the Spirit talks to somebody here to really get you to think, what, how much of that do we need? We've, 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 we've garnered all this stuff in our lives. We think we need. And all it does is an overabundance of it, it pollutes us. What's the first thing you do when you crawl out of bed in the morning? Some of you, when you've got two hours to spare, and you decide not to take a nap, but you go back to your room, what is it that you do to spend those two hours? At night, before you go to bed, can you just turn the light out and go to sleep? Or do you have to bend something for three hours? And again, I'm not saying don't do that and that's wrong. I'm just getting you know, trying to understand. How much of this do we need? And is it really helping us? What is it that you're watching? What is it that you're entertaining? What is that one show right now on Netflix that you're binging? Is it really helping you? Brother Paul, I'm starting to sound like my elders. Back in the day. Yeah, I'm just getting old, I guess. I think I'm just getting wiser. Because I've made so many mistakes. And I've wasted so much time. And I've allowed the devil to have footholds in my life when, when he had no business having those footholds. I want to be I want to be clean. I got so much I would like to say here today. Everything we allow in our life, these things sometimes become attachments. They, they become these things that we just we can't live without. We can't, and it it it's, it so crowds our lives. 
I think some of the reasons we can't pray sometimes, some of the reasons we can't read God's word sometimes, some of the reasons we can't just have these breakthroughs that we, that, that we struggle so much is because our lives are so crowded. I'm not talking about crowded with all the classes, and some of you are taking a lot of classes. That, those are good things. I'm talking to things that are at your discretion. We crowd our lives. And these things begin to suck life from us and to drain things from us. They begin to grip our minds and grip our hearts and grip our very lives. And the whole purpose of every one of these attachments, the enemy likes to use these things. The whole purpose is to prevent the influence of truth on our minds. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you want to be free, if you really want to be free, you got to know the truth. you got to accept the truth. you got to get the truth down deep inside of you. you got to know the truth because it will set you free. I know there's a lot of specific things I could I could address and talk about here, and I'm I'm not going to go down just one aisle of pornography or one aisle of being promiscuous. I, I'm just I'm just going to throw out this 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 entire. I want to let the spirit whatever whatever right now in your life that you know does not need to be there. Some boundaries that you've broken, some things that you've pushed past, some things that you've you you've you've. You begin to experiment with, I, I, I want to tell you that you're headed the wrong path. You're going down the wrong way. You, you're headed towards Sodom. It's not a good place. It's gonna, it could end up destroying you, destroying your future. you got to be careful. In Revelation chapter 2, give me a couple more minutes and I'll draw this to a close. Revelation 2, verse 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. He tells the church in Thyatira, he says, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, that you're doing more now than you did at first. He praises the church for the positive things it's, it's, it's been doing. And, and the Lord repeats this pattern. He opens each letter this way. He kind of commends the church, gives them some encouragement. It's the Lord's nature to be gentle with people. It's the Lord's nature to be merciful with people. Even when they're in sin. It's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. It's His presence. That's what, that's what concerns me when I watch people, when the presence of the Lord begins to move and I watch them resist. Because that that you're feeling is the very thing that can set you free. It's the very, it's, it's his love and mercy. I know you feel convicted. Thank God you feel convicted. And that's his presence pulling you to him. He wants to wash you. He wants to make you clean. He wants to set you free. He doesn't want you living in that prison. It's God's nature to be gentle and merciful with people. So he confirms his love for him. And then he continues. Verse 20, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet by her teaching. She misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Notice the word tolerate there. You, you tolerate her. You put up with her. You, you, you're allowing this in your life and even in your church. You've kind of made concessions with it. You know it's not right. But you're trying to convince yourself it's okay. 
It looks like the church in Thyatira, or at least some of them, knew what was going on but chose to look the other way. The leaders are putting up with, with this immorality. Not only that, but this woman had somehow worked her way into a position of an authority or, or a leader. And it wasn't that it was a woman becoming a leader. It was, that it was an immoral woman. The word tolerance today is a word of virtue by our world standards, but it's clear God does not tolerate sin. He never has and he never will. There are good reasons why he does it. It's not because he's a mean God. It's because he's a good and loving God. And he realizes if we tolerate sin, it will destroy our souls and our spirits. And sin is very difficult to erase. You know when you cross those boundaries, you know you shouldn't cross. How long does it take to get that sting of guilt to go away? Every time you come and stand at an altar, the devil throws it back up in your face because sin will stick to you. The effects of sin will try to get a hold of you and live with you. It's very difficult to erase. You can never undo what you do. Yes, you can be forgiven. And I pray that you seek God's grace and mercy. But it's so hard to undo what you've done. Musicians can come. The use of the name Jezebel, it no doubt, from the Old Testament, describes the woman's character. Remember, Jezebel in the Old Testament performed all kinds of, of, of horrible deeds, from false accusations, mass murder, assassination, forgery. Today, even the name Jezebel, to those even who don't know Scripture, it's used to describe someone that's immoral, someone who cheats, someone who's controlling. And it appears that this woman in Scripture derived her power from her sexuality. She used that power to dominate, to control, to manipulate, and to murder. And hear me today. The intent of sexual immorality is the exact same. It wants to dominate you, control you, manipulate you, and ultimately murder you. Pornography is not something to play around with. It's not okay. And if you're trapped today, I have compassion on you. Because it's a sinister trap. some of you here, you want to be free. Let me encourage somebody here today. You don't have to stay bound. It's going to take a little effort. God's going to help you today. But you're going to have to find somebody that can pray with you and stand with you. I challenge you to find a peer. I challenge you to find an elder. Find two people. You don't know who to turn to? Ask God to give you somebody today. I'm going to open this altar in a minute. And if, if that's something that you're struggling with, 
And it, nobody's going to know. A lot of people are going to turn around and pray. Nobody's going to know who's, who's struggling with what. But it's that particular thing. If you'll ask God, God, I want to be free. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help me. Show me somebody that can help me. James 5, 17, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. There are some things that I'm convinced sexual impurity, pornography, I'm, I'm convinced that that's one of those things that unless we bring somebody beside us, we will never be healed. There are some things in our lives you will not be healed unless you involve somebody else. Yes, it involves a little bit of embarrassment. But I would rather be vulnerable and, and embarrassed than lost for eternity. Because I couldn't get a hold of the passions of my heart. You can be free. You can be clean. If it's not pornography, if it's just being promiscuous, if it's just doing things, crossing lines, you just you you can't you can't go on a date without crossing lines. You have an unyielded passion that just that just drives you to do things, and you feel guilty afterwards. Let me tell you, you don't have to be driven by that. You can be free. You can treat that individual with respect and do the right thing. Treat yourself with respect and treat your ministry with respect and treat your future with respect. You don't have to be bound. Let me tell you, these are not just pretty little things that we mess around with and then it's okay and we can kind of get over it. No, these are very sinister. These are very destructive. They've come to dominate you and control you and manipulate you and ultimately they've come to murder you. The spirit of sexual immorality has one goal today, to seduce you and then reduce you. It's not something to play around with. You say, well, I'm not that bad. I can handle what I've been tempted with. I only give in when I want to. I'm in complete control. If you think you can control lust, you're deceived. And as long as you refuse to admit your need, its only hold will only increase on you. Verse 21 says, I've given her time to repent of immorality, but she's unwilling. So I cast her on a bed of suffering. I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely lest they repent of her ways. This is some strong talk. Because the Lord does not tolerate it. Verse 23, I'll strike your children down. Sexual immorality wants to destroy your future before you ever get there. It wants to destroy your future before you ever step into it. I've got to share this with you. This I've got to share this with you before I close. 
verse 24, and I say the rest of you at Thyatira. To those of you who don't hold to our teaching and not learn Satan's so-called deep secrets, I, I won't impose any other burden on you except for you to hold on to what you have until I come. He didn't say, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to go put you in a really safe place where you're free from all the temptation and you're free from all the stuff that's going on. He never promises he's going to pull us out of the world and put us in a little safe place, a little cocoon to protect us from everything. No, he said, you're going to be in the fire. And he said to those of you who are struggling, I want to make you free. To those of you who might not be struggling, but he just says to everybody, he says, I want you to hold on. Grip it tightly. Grip what's right. Grip what's true until I come. And he says, verse 26, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Scripture promises, the Lord promises that if we overcome the duplicity of sexual immorality, God says, I will give you authority. And when God makes a promise, He keeps His word. And when God says He will give you authority over the nations, He will. He did not just say authority just in your home or just in your city or just in your state or even just in your country. But he said, if you'll hold on, if you'll fight through this, if you'll surrender yourself to me, if you'll get clean, if you'll put aside these things, if you'll reach for me and submit your life to me, I will give you authority over the nation." God is looking for a generation who will break free from the sexual onslaught of this age because he has authority he desires to impart. You wonder why you just can't gain ground. You wonder why you just can't move forward. You wonder why you always seem so defeated. It's because you've allowed some things in your life to crowd it out and to cause you to lose. The enemy's after your authority. The enemy is after your power. The enemy's after your confidence. The enemy is after your passion. He wants to steal that authority. But if you stay clean, if you get clean, if you stay clean, if you pursue holiness, if you give your heart to God, he will give you power and authority over the nations in these last days. Stay standing with me. It's time for us to take a hard look at how we're living and what we're doing and what we're crowding our life with. Your friends may not understand why you get rid of that. They may not understand why you draw a line where you draw the line. But who cares what your friends think or what your friends understand or don't understand because the truth of the matter is God's got his hand on you and he's calling you to surrender fully to his destiny in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
the Lord appeared to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And something happened in the moment Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah said, I am unclean, and I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people that's unclean. So an angel flew with a pair of tongs, grabbed a coal from off the altar, flew over to where Isaiah was, and with that hot coal, touched Isaiah's lips and made him clean. Some of you are walking through the fire. Some of you want to be free so badly. You're tired of being unclean. There's a high calling on you, and it haunts you at night because the enemy tells you you're doing what you're doing. God's never going to use you. You've made too many mistakes. God's never going to use you. You've gone too far this time. God's never going to use you. The devil is a liar. He is a liar for the very pit of hell. He has no authority over your life. If you want to be clean today, all you have to do is look up into the Lord's face and say, God, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I know I dwell in the midst of a people who are unclean, but I don't want to stay unclean. I need the fire of the altar. I need a fire from the altar to come and cleanse my lips and, and cleanse my heart and cleanse my mind and cleanse my spirit. I've got to be clean. I want to be clean. And it was only then that Isaiah heard the voice saying, who am I going to send? Who can I send? Who's going to go for me? And it was that Isaiah who just got cleansed from the fire of the altar that was able to stand up and not feel like he was unclean any longer. And he would say to God, I'll go. I'll go. Please send me. I'll go. The Lord wants to give you power and authority over the nations. He's got countries. He wants you to build churches in. He's got cities. He wants you to plant churches in. There's people on your job. He wants you to teach Bible studies too. Don't let the enemy sap you. Don't let the devil destroy you. Don't let sin wrap itself around you. Find a place to pray and find a, find some fire from off the altar and find some clean. Be clean. Find it. Make clean. Be clean. I want to be clean. Make me clean. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. 